A really disturbing video has come out of Kentucky. Uh, a man was at a restaurant. He was shown pulling a gun on a group of armed BLM activists. You can see them there. Mostly white, you'll notice, of the BLM activists. But they're there. They're around his table screaming, yelling at him. It's hard to hear what he's... He's just standing there. He's got the gun. Nice pressed blue shirt. Nice chinos. Standing very calmly, saying, get out of here. Lots of F-bombs going around. Really, really disturbing. I can't tell you how disturbed I am watching this. Because that guy should have a way bigger gun. That, that gun is not big enough to take on an entire armed mob. I mean, it was, I'm glad it worked out. Everyone left. It was peaceful. But we, we've got to really start taking this issue of justice much more seriously, folks. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Pepsi FIFA, who says, Melinda and Bill seeing each other at Coachella like, well, bye. <laughs> yes, I, I can totally see that happening because by the logic of, of their divorce, that they just don't feel like, you know, they can really grow into their next phases of their lives <clears throat> together, man, you know, and they just got to find themselves and stuff. By that by that logic, they are definitely going to wind up at Coachella like a bunch of, I don't know, 18-year-old kids. <laughs> They're in their 60s and 50s, but behaving like little children. Our whole society is, which is why our society is dying. We'll get to that a little bit uh, later, but sometimes there's just there's so much noise, so much nonsense in society. You just got to tune it all out, really focus in on something important. And when you want to do that, best way to do it is with Raycon. A lot of us are going to be on the move again this summer. So here's my advice. Take your Raycons with you. A pair of Raycon wireless earbuds in your ears can make all the difference no matter what you're listening to. Maybe you're listening to an audiobook. Oh, I could name a, one good audiobook in particular. Maybe you are listening to music. Maybe you're listening to your favorite podcast. I don't know. You can get crisp, powerful beats at half the price of other premium audio brands. Raycons look great and feel even better. They come in a range of cool colors with customizable gel tips included for a comfortable in-ear fit. Right now, Raycon's offering 15% off all their products for our listeners, but here's what you got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash Knowles. There you will get 15% off your entire Raycon order. It's such a great deal. You're going to want to buy a pair and a spare. That is 15% off at buyraycon.com slash Knowles. This very, very superior product. Go to buyraycon.com slash Knowles. So you've got the BLM mob disturbing this poor man's dinner on Derby Day in Kentucky. And that man, like a total, total gentleman, like a total American, he stands up, doesn't even wrinkle his shirt, hope his dinner didn't get too cold, pulls out what looks to be a Derringer or some really, really small gun and just says, not today, guys. <laughs> Sorry. You think you can come here with an armed mob and push me around, but that's not going to happen. This is America. You're going to show up with your arms. I'm going to pull out my arms and you're going to go away. And that's exactly, exactly what happened. But BLM believes that it can subvert our justice system all around the country, notably in the case of the George Floyd trial, the Derek Chauvin trial into the, the death of George Floyd. There was a juror. We were told the jurors are not being influenced at all by, you know, the most important news story in the country that led to the burning of multiple cities. No, they weren't influenced at all. They don't have any opinions on this very contentious topic. They're totally objective and disinterested, right? Except there's a photo that just came out of one of the jurors wearing a BLM shirt that says, get your knee off our necks. So it's referring directly to the Derek Chauvin incident with George Floyd. The photo was posted in August by this juror's uncle. It was taken in Washington, D.C. at an event commemorating Martin Luther King. It, in many ways, quite ironic. You got to throw this trial out. It's ridiculous. Derek Chauvin should not spend one more second in prison. It, it, at so many stages of this 
process, there have been there has been a lot of evidence to say this is not fair. This is not going to be justice. Maxine Waters threatening to start riots if they don't get the ridiculous charges that they wanted. The president of the United States putting his thumb on the scales. And now we find out that the jury was rigged, that the juror who went in and said, I have no dog in this fight. I don't have any opinions. I'm totally impartial. Turns out he's a member of BLM. Throw it out, throw out the trial. But Michael, what if Derek Chauvin did something wrong? What if he did? Isn't, isn't the whole argument for among the criminal justice reformers, that it would be better to let 10 guilty men go free than to have one innocent man in prison, that we need to, we need to err on the side of leniency. Well, I'm not even saying err on the side of leniency. I'm just saying that people are entitled to due process. And if the due process is not being recognized, then, then you cannot keep the guy in prison. You're probably not going to hear about that, that juror, unless you're listening to this show Maybe if you're reading a handful of conservative outlets, maybe you'll hear about it, but maybe you won't. Why not? Because the systems of justice and communication in this country, more importantly, communication probably, are rigged for the libs. Did you see there was a story yesterday out that a girl who cheated at a homecoming queen election is (laughs) going to face jail time. But those two girls who carjacked that poor Pakistani guy and killed him the other day, they're never going to see the inside of a jail cell. You remember that story? We covered it on this show too. Why? Because the systems of justice and the dominant narrative in this country are rigged in the liberal direction. And I'm not just talking about CNN. We'll get to CNN later. I'm not just talking about the mainstream media. I'm talking about the new media too. I'm talking about the internet. I'm talking about the whole thing. Facebook, I felt, crossed the Rubicon during the January 6th insurrection, the worst attack ever in the history of our country. So much worse for those three hours of the horn guy jumping on the desk than when BLM burned the country down for eight months. I know that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it was much worse. I know, hey, Facebook censors, YouTube censors, I'm, I'm agreeing with you here. I'm saying that some lunatic guy in a horn hat making a nuisance of himself in the Capitol, I'm saying that's much, much worse than when BLM killed people and looted and burned down the country for six months. We're, we're agreeing. We have to agree because if we don't agree, you're going to take me off of the internet. And because the internet is the public square and a handful of oligarchs control the whole thing. So yeah, good. We're agreeing, right? If only President Trump had agreed, he wouldn't have been suspended. That was Facebook crossing the Rubicon to suspend, no matter what you think about the 2020 election. At the time, Donald Trump was the duly elected sitting president of the United States and some nerd in Silicon Valley censored him. Well, Michael, you're entitled to freedom of speech, not freedom of reach. Build your own Facebook, build your own public square in our Republic, build your own 90% plus of communication in this country, which is dominated by Google, Facebook, and Twitter. You're not going to do that. That's not possible. And they decided that they were going to control the political process. If you are not permitted on social media, you are not a viable political candidate. Simple as that. Even if you're Donald Trump, even if you are, you're already the president, you're one of the most famous guys in the country, in the world, you still are going to have a big, big problem. Since Trump left office, we haven't really heard that much from him. And it's not because he hasn't sent out notes. He has, but it's because these oligarchs control communication and they're not letting him speak. And yesterday, the Facebook oversight board, the relatively independent body, it's, it's independent as a matter of corporate structure, but as a matter of politics, it's far left wing. The Facebook oversight board decided to uphold the Trump ban on Facebook. Google and Twitter don't have similar oversight boards, so they're just going to keep it going indefinitely. Now, what the Facebook oversight board said was, at the time that Zuckerberg decided to suspend the duly elected sitting president, that was totally right because, you know, Trump could have incited violence. Maxine Waters, still on Facebook. Kamala Harris, still on Facebook. The logic of the Facebook oversight board completely collapsing. But they say it was totally justified then. However, 
the oversight board did not want to make a final decision. They said, look, you, Facebook, you've got to decide what's going to happen to Trump's account in the long run. And we're going to give you six months to do that, but we don't want to make that final decision. Now, do you see what's happening here? I don't want to just slam Zuckerberg. I don't want to just slam the Facebook oversight board because what they're dealing with is a perennial political problem. Namely, no one wants to take ultimate responsibility. They want to wield power. They want things to go their way, but they don't want to have the accountability for that a very popular word these days, accountability. So what does Zuckerberg say? He says, no, 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 it's not me. I've got an independent board. What does the independent board say? Oh, no, no, it's not us. We've got to kick this back to the executives. And they're just going to keep kicking it back and forth so no one has to make a decision and everyone can maintain the status quo, which is in their favor. This is why we need to weigh in. Charlie Kirk came out. He sent out a tweet that he got dragged for. Oh my gosh, everyone dunking on Charlie. Here's what he said. The U.S. Supreme Court should overturn the Facebook oversight board's ruling, which upholds outlawing the 45th president of the United States from social media. This is big tech corporate oligarchy with outstanding. It's gone too far. Enough is enough. People dragging Charlie for this. Charlie, you idiot. You what? You think that the court can overrule the Facebook board? They're totally different things. You can't appeal the Facebook board ruling to the Supreme Court. What is Charlie saying here? We'll go word by word. What does he say? The, the, the court, the U.S. Supreme Court should overturn the oversight board's ruling. He puts ruling in quotes because he's, he's saying it's not an actual judicial ruling. Therefore, we, through the political process, should restrain this allegedly private company, which controls a huge proportion of our communications, from dominating our politics. Of course that's true. What Charlie said is absolutely right. And the conservatives have not understood this because conservatives have spent the last two decades shilling for corporations and pretending that there is this perfectly neat and tidy distinction between private and public, between the private company, build your own Twitter and the public. That's the government, government bad, never good to use politics. Even when the people give us political power, we should never influence politics or wield it in any way. Well, that, that neat and tidy distinction falls apart when Facebook is dominating the politics. Complete, we talked about this yesterday. This neat and tidy distinction between private and public falls apart. If in our private lives we decide to engage in all manner of vice and, and sin and we destroy our families and we abuse our communities, well, that has public effects. Just like conservatives like to have this neat and tidy distinction between culture and politics, it goes so far as it goes, but while culture influences politics, politics also influences culture. While the movies change our perception of our country, the political structure changes our perception, the, the political uh, institutions rather, change our perception of the culture. Just look at East Germany. The reason that East Germany is atheist today and West Germany is religious is not because of regional variations in bratwurst. It's because of the political systems that were there for the duration of the Cold War. What is Charlie saying? What are, what are all sensible conservatives saying? They're saying, hey, court, hey, legislature, hey, Department of Justice, hey, any of our systems of, of government in this country that we are, we the people are empowering. Fine. Yeah, we are. We're acting together in politics. You've got to rein in these handful of oligarchs that are controlling our political process. An urgent, deeply conservative call. By the way, if you want serious conservative thought, not just the rote, stale talking points, you got to check out City Journal. For many, many years, City Journal, one of my favorite outlets. If you're interested in learning more about what's going on in our nation's cities and our culture, you absolutely need to be reading City Journal. Published by the Manhattan Institute, City Journal is the nation's premier urban policy magazine with fabulous, fearless writers such as my friend Heather McDonald, such as Christopher Rufo, who's doing excellent work on critical race theory. Uh, right now, obviously, they're publishing a lot of other great writers, Dr. Glenn Lowry, Nicole Galinas, Kay Heimowitz, Steve Malanga, and even, by the way, do you know a certain fellow by the name of Andrew Clavin? Maybe you've heard of him. Many, many others. Right now, for a limited time, my listeners can enter for a chance to get their hands on a print issue of City Journal, the magazine, for free. Just go to city-journal.org slash giveaway. Enter your information and you will be contacted if you are selected. That is city-journal.org slash giveaway. city-journal.org slash giveaway. Senator Cruz pointed out the danger 
of this corporate oligarchy controlling our politics. While Charlie Kirk was talking to the conservatives, Senator Cruz was trying to talk to the center and to the left. He said, for every liberal celebrating Trump's social media ban, if the big tech oligarchs can muzzle the former president, what's to stop them from silencing you? Now, I think this is a good pitch, but we have to be more specific, which is Senator Cruz says, hey, for all the liberals, what do you think when they come for you? The thing is though, I don't think that big tech is, is going to come for the liberals. I don't think that big tech is going to come for many of the wokesters who are just the pawns of the liberal establishment, BLM, Antifa. They're just, they're just the puppets of the liberal establishment. I don't think that big tech is going to come for them. I think big tech is going to come for any, any heterodox thinker. And, and that's really what Senator Cruz is getting at here. Saying, hey, all you people who think you're so open-minded, you're so out of the box, you question authority, which is what all these people think they are. What happens when you really question authority? What happens when you really start to contradict the dominant liberal regime? You think that the enforcement arm, the, the communications propaganda enforcement arm of that regime is going to take kindly to you? No, they're going to treat you just like they treated Donald Trump or Alex Jones or whoever, any of the other conservatives who have thought outside the box and been banned. This should give serious pause to people who have heterodox thoughts. And it should remind leftists from the most buttoned up liberal works at Goldman Sachs and goes to fancy parties all the way down to the street rioter for BLM or Antifa. Why is the regime so nice to you? Why? Why do corporate, <laughs> the people on the street go in, break glass and steal Nike sneakers from the Nike store. And yet Nike supports them. Nike makes one of the faces of BLM, their corporate spokesman. Nike makes woke commercials. Nike cancels sneakers that have the American flag on it. Even the Betsy Ross flag because of its commitment to BLM. Why? It doesn't make sense, does it? Why on earth does this regime seem so gung-ho on supporting the people who are allegedly rebelling against it? Because they're not rebelling against it. Because this social upheaval, this radical individualism, this breaking down of the inter, intermediating institutions in the United States serves that dominant regime. It, it's, you, you see this when the parties come and go. You saw this with Bush 1, Clinton, Bush 2, Obama. The parties come and go and there are some differences in policy here and there. But what do we always see? We always see much more global trade. We see much more outsourcing, therefore, of our political rights to super and international institutions that control that glo those global trade arrangements. We see much more immigration. We see a weakening of national borders. We see an erosion of our political rights, which we once had being sent off to bureaucrats and technocrats and eggheads. That is the, the process. And, and so you've got the Democratic Party, which is the major party in the country. And then you've got these kind of court jester conservative types who basically go along with that. And they quibble here and there. And they, they argue over which Middle Eastern country to bomb. You know, the Republicans want to bomb Iraq and the Democrats want to bomb Afghanistan. And so they make a compromise and they bomb both. <laughs> but, but in terms of actual a challenge to authority, you just don't see it. You just don't see it. And when you do see it, you get banned from social media. Senator Cruz, one of the few, you know, you really got to give the guy credit. I don't just say this because we're friends and because we host a, a podcast together. He is one of the few conservatives who is willing to talk back, who's willing to stand up. He's been doing this since he entered the Senate and actually before he entered the Senate, which is why Lindsey Graham famously said, if you murdered Ted Cruz and held the trial in the U.S. Senate, no, no one would vote to convict. <laughs> and what he was saying there is Cruz doesn't get along with all these people who are part of the swamp. This is why Cruz and McConnell have, have butted heads so many times. And the swamp has a lot of power, which brings us to our friend, Liz Cheney. 
Liz Cheney, the embattled House Republican conference leader. So she's in Republican leadership. She's at the lowest rung of it, but she's still in the leadership of the party in the House. And they tried to boot her a little while ago and they held a secret vote. So they kept her in power, but she just keeps attacking Trump and she keeps shilling for the left and and more importantly, shilling for the liberal establishment. And so now it looks like she's about to get the boot at the end of the month. Liz Cheney firing one last shot across the bow, one last chance to, to make her point in the Washington post, of course, in a very left-wing newspaper, the GOP is at a turning point. History is watching us. Republicans must decide whether we are going to choose truth and fidelity to the constitution. In the immediate wake of the violence of January 6th, almost all of us knew the gravity and the cause of what had happened. We witnessed it firsthand. And talking about how Trump is so awful, you know, the worst thing ever and how, you know, in the old days, the Republican party was great, but here democracy is at stake. And then this is the one that really got me. This is the line that really got me. We must support a parallel bipartisan review by a commission with subpoena power to seek facts and, and find facts to describe to Americans what happened on January 6th. We should appoint former officials, members of the judiciary and other prominent Americans who can be objective just as we did after the attacks of September 11th. So comparing the horn guy jumping on the desk at the Capitol to September 11th. Don't forget, we were told in the days just following the Capitol riot that, that officers were murdered by the violent Trump supporters and people threw, Officer Sicknick murdered, they threw a fire extinguisher at his head and killed him. Then it turned out that wasn't true. And now even the mainstream media, even the WAPO and, and the New York Times will admit that wasn't true. He actually died. Very sadly, he seems like a patriotic, good American. Uh, he died the following day or within the next couple of days of a stroke because he had pre-existing health problems. It was not related to the violence of that day. Actually, the only person who was killed on that day in an act of actual political violence was... Ashley Babbitt, who was the Trump supporter who was, was in there. And I'm not even saying that the officers had no right to defend the Capitol, but I'm just saying, if you're talking about the real violence of that day, it was only in one direction. It was against the Trump supporters. And then here's the kicker. The commission should be focused on the January 6th attacks. The Black Lives Matter and Antifa violence of last summer was illegal and reprehensible, but it was a different problem with a different solution. Okay, whatever. BLM torches the country for six to eight months, burns down private businesses, private homes, government, government buildings too, or the seats of temples of our democracy. Oh, that's another problem for another day. It's not, it's not as, it's not as urgent. It's not, but the horn guy jumped around the Capitol that requires the 9-11 commission because that was, that was just as bad as 9-11, right? No. So that woman, she's just so deeply misguided and her instinct is always to punch right. And her instinct is always to, to turn against her constituents and her base. And her instinct is always to shill for the liberal establishment. So it's just, she has no business in leadership. And yet, and yet the Republic, the Republicans can't win for losing, man. The Republicans decide they are going to replace her with a more liberal Republican. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ah, what? The House GOP, they come out, they say, you know, Liz Cheney, she is liberal and she, relatively liberal and she's disloyal. Yeah, you're right. I agree with that. And we need to replace her in leadership. Totally. I absolutely agree with that. With a more liberal Republican. Yes. Uh, wait, hold on. What? What was that? Right now, the name being floated to replace Liz Cheney is Elise Stefanik. I actually, I don't don't know if it's Stefanik or Stefanik. I'm going to go with Stefanik. She's not a very prominent member of the house right now. And I don't think she should be because she is one of, if not the most liberal Republican member in the house. What are you doing? We've been talking for weeks, more than weeks at this point about how the Republican party and even the conservative movement, they've always had different elements. They've had the traditional conservatives and the libertarians and the war hawk, you call them the neocons and some populists and this and that, and this and that. And the libertarians, they get to lead a lot of the time. And the neocons, the, the war people, they get to lead a lot of the time. But the traditional conservatives, they always go along with the other 
constituent parts, but they never seem to lead. They never seem to get any headway. So this time I was thinking, good, we're going to boot Liz Cheney. We're going to get an actual conservative in there, a traditional conservative. Nope. Nope. We're now going to get one of the most liberal members of the house. Gets me so agitated. I just need some relief. When I need some relief, I check out Relief Band. Relief Band is the number one FDA cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, provides all-natural, long-lasting relief with zero side effects for as long as needed. How it works is relief band stimulates a nerve in your wrist that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea. Then it blocks the signal your brain is sending to your stomach, telling you that you are sick. There are a lot of cheapo imitators out there that don't really do anything. This one totally on the money, FDA cleared. As the world's opening back up, don't let the fear of nausea keep you on the sidelines. Right now, relief band has an exclusive offer just for Michael Knowles show listeners. If you go to reliefband.com, use promo code Knowles, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and no questions asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So head on over to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com. Use our promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, for 20% off plus free shipping. You know, every day on my show, I talk a lot about the amazing products and services from sponsors that I love and use. We want to get to know you better so that we can choose our sponsors with you in mind. Please go to dailywire.com slash Knowles and fill out my audience survey to tell us a little bit more about yourself to sweeten the whole experience. Those of you that complete the survey will be entered to win a $1,000 gift card. But you can only take the survey once per Daily Wire show. So the first thing you got to do, go to my, my, my survey, you'll be entered to win a thousand bucks. Then if you want to increase your chances of winning a thousand bucks, go to Ben Shapiro, Andrew Clavin, Matt Walsh, get access to their surveys as well. My link is dailywire.com slash Knowles. Also, if you haven't already joined the Daily Wire, you are running out of time because today, Thursday, May 6th is the absolute last chance to get 25% off a new membership with code Candace at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Uh, Candace just spoke to former President Trump, the once and future president, <laughs> at least in his mind, according to uh, this interview. Go check it out. Also, there was a great, really swarthy, brilliant, handsome, wonderful guest on this week. So go check out dailywire.com slash subscribe. We'll be right back with a lot more. The Republicans in the House are poised to replace Liz Cheney, who has been disloyal to the party at crucial moments, who has shilled and used left-wing talking points at crucial moments. I agree. She should be replaced. They're going to replace her with a much more liberal Republican. (sighs) Why? Why? I have to, is it because they think, well, we have to replace her with a woman? It's at least they're replacing... Liz Cheney with Elise Stefanik. Do you think that identity politics never entered the minds of people who were pushing this? I bet, I bet they did. We have to. Oh, it's just good. And we have to. She can't be too conservative. We need to maintain the balance and that it's better and we'll appeal and the pollsters and the focus groups and goodness gracious me. Some people have pushed back. They've said, well, at least Elise Stefanik was more loyal to Trump. First of all, sort of. Yeah. In recent days, she's been more loyal to Trump. But in the early days, she was actually quite anti-Trump. So I'm not convinced. She seems to me a little bit of a Johnny come lately in that regard. But I'm not even totally interested in loyal to Trump or not loyal to Trump. I am interested certainly in loyal to the people doing the tough work, (laughs) the people who are showing courage. So in in that case, Trump certainly counts. I'm interested in people who are loyal to the Republican voters and to conservatives. Sure. What has Elise Stefanik done to show that she's loyal to Republican voters? She's pro-life, that's good, but she said that Republicans need to take a more understanding tone on abortion, a more, a more compassionate tone on abortion. A more compassionate tone on abortion is abortion should be totally illegal. That's compassionate. Saying that we ought to be able to kill babies in some circumstances is less compassionate. I don't think that's what she meant, though. I think she meant we need to go a little squishy on abortion. Well, that's no good. She criticized Trump for pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord. She criticized Trump's immigration policies early on. She was very happy when Trump 
went soft on his immigration policies. She, oh yes, she voted for the Equality Act. She voted for maybe the most radical piece of legislation that's ever gone through the House. She voted for the law that would redefine sex itself and totally blur the distinction between men and women. So I, I, I don't, she was one of very few Republicans who voted for that. To me, that is in itself totally disqualifying. Now you might say, Michael, she voted for it in 2019, but then she voted against it in 2020. Oh good. That makes me feel better. <laughs> she, she has no principles whatsoever. And when she thinks it's advantageous to her, she goes along with the most radical legislation ever, but then she got a little blowback for it. So then she flips. Okay. I'm glad she flipped, I guess, but by the way, she flipped when it didn't really matter. That, that's the woman that we're going to replace Liz Cheney with? Give me a break, guys. The only thing, the only thing that makes me not totally despondent here with the idea that you're going to put this very liberal Republican up in place of Liz Cheney is that Jake Tapper doesn't like her. That's the one thing, that's the one thing I can hang my hat on and say, well, at least if Jake Tapper doesn't like her, she can't be all that bad. Former President Trump is officially endorsing New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik to replace Wyoming Congresswoman Liz Cheney as a member of House Republican leadership. Cheney essentially is being purged because she refused to lie about the 2020 election and the January 6th insurrection. Stefanik, on the other hand, is a fierce Trump loyalist. She not only has been willing to spread the big lie, she voted to disenfranchise nearly 7 million Pennsylvanians after the insurrection based on those lies. The big lie. It's the big lie. You know the big lie. Liz Cheney talks about the big lie and all the Democrats talk about the big lie. It's the big, what's the big lie? Well, the big lie is a phrase that the left has used to attack Donald Trump and compare him to Hitler because Hitler coined the term the big lie in Mein Kampf. However, because the libs know just like a very little bit about history, but they don't know it, it's, I'm not even saying I know a ton about history. I know just like a little tiny sliver more than they do. <laughs> you know, like I actually have read a book or two. And I'm, I haven't even read like three books. I'm just saying it's like one or two. That's all you need to know to realize that in the libs analogy here, they are making themselves out to be the Nazis. Because the, when, when Hitler used the phrase, the big lie in Mein Kampf, he was not referring to his own strategy to take over the culture. He was actually accusing the Jews of propagating a big lie uh, by blaming the German loss in World War I on the German general, Erich Ludendorff. So they don't, they're not even aware that when they use this phrase, they are casting themselves in the position of Hitler or the Nazis. But what's the big lie? You heard Jake Tapper say, he said, she, this Elise Stefanik, she suggested disenfranchising Pennsylvanians who were participating in a totally above board election. And there was nothing questionable about that at all, regardless of what you think about the 2020 election. I know I've got to be very careful here. No one can ever question any aspect of the election. I'm just making the incontrovertible observation that the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania well, forget the Supreme Court for a second, because the Supreme Court actually had some political problems. The Constitution of Pennsylvania prohibits no excuse mail-in ballots, prohibits the widespread use of the mail-ins that typified that election. That was not just illegal, it was unconstitutional there. So if Stefanik is going to point that out, that's good. It's a good thing. That's, I'm, I'm starting to like her a little bit more <laughs> as a leader of the Republican party. Still not willing to elevate someone who has a very, very liberal record to leadership again in the Republican party. It's just the same, same verse, same as the first. But what, what Tapper is calling out here is preposterous. Now, is anyone allowed to make that point? If does Jake Tapper invite me on his show? No, he never has. I'm not complaining about it. <laughs> I'm not, not saying I'm totally interested in spending my time on CNN, but I suppose I would go on because the thing is I watch CNN clips and I notice they never seem to have any actual conservatives. It, it, this is very strange because Jake Tapper right now is threatening not to allow Republicans on his show anymore. He, he made this, he made this threat yesterday on CNN. He said, you know, I, I don't, if, if they keep up like this, I'm not going to have Republicans on anymore. 
I don't think it's healthy for the country to only have a debate between the left and the far left. We need a thriving Republican Party. We need an argument, a counter argument. No, I think, this is not me, but we need a Republican Party saying, no, I think that $6 trillion in new spending is a bad idea, and here's, here's why. No, I think that subsidized daycare uh, is the wrong way to go for our culture, and here's why. These are not, again, my arguments. These are arguments that conservatives would make. Okay, great. We need those debates having, happening, but we can't have those debates if one side of the argument is not willing to stick to standards and facts uh, for, for a whole host of reasons. One of them is, how am I supposed to believe anything they say? If they're willing to lie about Joe Biden wanting to steal your hamburgers and QAnon and the big lie about the election, what are they not willing to lie about? Why should I put any of them on TV? The big lie, the big lie, the big lie. Notice what Jake Tapper says here. He says, look, we need a Republican party to argue over spending. Look, we need a Republican party to argue over the implementation of various welfare programs. He doesn't say we need a Republican party to advocate for drastically reduced immigration. Oh, that would be beyond the pale. That would be beyond Jake's standards. He doesn't say we need a Republican party to argue that Christianity is the basis of our country, <laughs> going, going back to the Mayflower, and that obviously this country was shaped from Christianity, from the West broadly, and from an Anglo political tradition. You're not, remember, you're not allowed to use that phrase anymore. <laughs> no, he wouldn't, that would be so beyond the pale. We just need good little Republicans to come on the show and kind of argue about, oh, you're spending a little too much money, and we should actually, we should, our taxes should be a little bit different than that, but but we don't need a Republican party to actually challenge the liberal establishment. We won't permit that. When Jake Tapper said he's not going to have any, any Republicans on his show, I, I thought, okay, what's changing? When was the last time you saw a conservative, an actual conservative? I'm not, I'm not just taking pot shots and saying, you're everyone to the left of me is a rhino, or I'm not, I'm not, I'm actually, I'm just saying there were, there were Republicans who have a conservative vision of the world who begin with different philosophical premises than liberals. And there are many Republicans who share the exact same philosophical premises as liberals and basically the same progressive understanding of history and politics. They just kind of quibble over the details. And CNN does a great job of having liberals come on, liberal Republicans or liberal conservatives, right? Li li people who, you know, they want to conserve, they want to go a little bit slower. They don't want to go quite as fast down the road of progress, but they still share the progressive view, but they do a very poor job with very few exceptions. They do a very poor job of having actual conservatives on. So what's going to change? Nothing's going to change because listen to what Jake Tapper said there. He said, we, it's, we can't even agree on the facts. Well, yeah, right. Because CNN's a propaganda outlet for the left. And so they'll push a lot of lies like the Russia hoax and myriad other hoaxes. And sure, some Republicans go on and they have their spin doctors too. And okay, that's fine. But that's not really the issue. The issue, Jake admits it. The issue is standards. Standards. Ah, there it is. The left has a vision of standards in this country. Facebook is going to enforce certain standards, Google and Twitter. And if you contradict those standards, even if you're the duly elected sitting president of the United States, you're out. And conservatives heretofore, for the, for the past 20 years or so, have argued that we should have no standards whatsoever. They've actually adopted the left's arguments from the 1960s, that we need, we need for total free speech, man, total free love, total, you do you, if it feels good, do it, right? We've just adopted all the radical left's premises from 50, 60 years ago. And now we're shocked to find out that society doesn't really work that way, that society always has standards, that society always has guardrails, that society always recognizes that some things cannot be done and cannot be said. And that's been true going back to the earliest days of America. It's been true everywhere on earth. I explain this process in my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order, as you might remember. You can also get an autographed first edition copy at Premier Collectibles. That is simply the case. And if conservative, I'm, I hate to argue that conservatives should listen to CNN every so often, very, you know, in very small doses, and then, you know, turn it off to preserve your sanity. But you, you really should consider not just listening to CNN, 
but reading the radical leftists who created this dominant regime that we're living in. Actually, if you want, you can just read it in my upcoming book because that's, <laughs> that's where I talk about that history. Just that's not a separate plug. I was still doing the same power. I'll argue with the judges later on after the show. That is the world that we live in. Okay. We're living in the world of the leftist standards and it's a kind of anti-standard and it's a very perverse standard and it's ridiculous. But if we don't put forward our own standards, then we're just going to keep in this vicious cycle. It's going to be like House Republican leadership. It's going to, we complain about the the lib in House Republican leadership and then we boot out the lib and we replace them with another lib because we don't understand how to get out of that vicious cycle. There are bigger problems here than just the, the stalemate that we've been in over the last 20 or so years where it seems like we, no matter what we do, no matter who we elect, we can't win. No matter how hard we push against political correctness, we can't, we always seem to cede ground. There are deeper problems here. Well, we're all busy arguing, like Jake Tapper says, over the, we're, ra- we're spending a little too much money and, you know, we're spending a little too much on welfare or whatever. Here's a, here's a, an existential political problem for the country. The birth rate is falling again. The birth rate has been falling steadily for a long time and it fell again. It fell 4% in the year 2020. We were told that there was going to be a baby boom. Remember the, the COVID baby boom? I actually participated in the COVID baby boom. <laughs> we, we were told, we were hoping that there would be a baby boom, but there wasn't. The birth rate fell again, 4%. Uh, this is the lowest point since federal health officials started tracking it more than a century ago. 3.6 million babies were born in the United States last year. That's down from 3.75 million in 2019. Uh, in 2007, just for perspective, 4.3 million babies were born. The nation is now below replacement levels, according to the CDC. That means that more people are dying every day than are being born. We are a dying nation. Something has gone horribly wrong. And you can't only blame the left for that. You might, you might blame the left for causing that. You might blame the left for instigating that. You might blame the left even for desiring that. They clearly don't like the country very much. They're pushing the 1619 project that says it's an evil country. They're literally burning it to the ground through BLM and Antifa. They're saying that our whole system of justice is perverse and the physical representation of that, the cops need to be abolished. They are disrespecting the American flag on sports teams, on, in professional sports, in halls of power. So yeah, they, they might be cheering that on. And they actively are, by the way. You've got Looney Tunes like Bill Gates saying without any evidence whatsoever that we've got a overpopulation problem and we therefore need to push abortion and need to push contraception. They've been saying this since the seventies when they said inevitably there will be mass famines and a, a population bomb. We will actually need to coerce. Paul Ehrlich said this in his book, Population Bomb. We might need to coerce abortion and contraception. What happened? 50 years later, the popu- world population has doubled. Malnutrition is, is an all time low. It's a total lie, but they seem to desire this sort of thing. But conservatives let it happen. Conservatives let it happen. We rolled over by playing the court jester conservative in the kingdom of liberalism, by playing along with their game, by not putting forward an actual alternative. In the word of Phyllis Schlafly, we need a, a choice, not an echo. And yet what have we given? Nothing, nothing but echoes. Echo, echo, echo in this aging country and an aging culture. The aging country has a very aging president. I th- Biden, Biden is the perfect president for us right now. He, I didn't vote for him. I was very sad when he ascended to the presidency. But he's, he's the perfect representative of where the country's at right now. If I, if I had to describe the national ethos right now, if I had to perform what the country looks like, I bet it would sound a lot like this. Job creation is soaring. The economy's growing and our country is on the move again. But some of the parts of, the, of our economy need special help. At the top of that list is our nation's restaurants. When COVID-19 pandemic struck, our nation's restaurants were some of the first hit and the worst hit. In 2020, more than 2,300, excuse me, 2 million, 2.3 million restaurants jobs disappeared. 2.3 million restaurant jobs disappeared. Restaurants are more than a major driver of our economy. They're woven in the fabric of our communities. And then there's two in, uh, it's uh, coming on uh, seminar. Who now? Where am I? What's, uh, hey, oh, hey there. Hey, come on, man. What's going on? Biden 
Not a whole lot going on in between the ears. I think that's pretty clear, though that's always been the case with Biden. People forget this. They think, they think he was sharp as a tack 10 years ago because he spoke more clearly, but the guy has always been a doofus. I, I don't even say that to throw bombs or be insulting. He was always considered a doofus in American politics. He was considered a doofus in the Democratic Party, and now he's older, so it, you know we don't want to be too insulting of him, and he's obviously lost a step. But beyond the question of what, what he's had going on the whole time, he just seems exhausted, and we seem exhausted as a country. But I'm not exhausted. I don't know about you. I'm not exhausted. I'm raring to go. I want to do stuff. I, I have not fallen into this existential ennui, this malaise that seems to have taken over the culture. I want to do stuff. I want to build stuff. I want to have kids. I want to have a thriving community. I want to enjoy the beautiful world. I want, I, I want to not just m- miss what we have lost. I want to not just engage in nostalgia, which is history after a few drinks, but I, I want to enjoy what we still have and what we could pull back again. And I think a lot of conservatives agree with me. And I think that this was the whole premise of Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. And it's why it was so effective despite any flaws and foibles he might've had, because his argument was make America great again. Not let's just be kind of comfortable. Not, oh, we should really feel bad about all the stuff that in the past and not, oh, we need to have fewer kids because of the earth and the sun monster and the global, whatever, cooling, warming change, whatever. It's not that. He said, no, no, no. Be great. Make America great again. There's a great scene in that movie, Hail Caesar, possibly the greatest movie of the last 10 years. It's a Coen Brothers movie. It didn't, didn't do as well as it should have. And in this movie, George Clooney plays George Clooney. And he, actually, he, <laughs> this is quite a coincidence, unintentional. Uh, he falls under the sway of a professor of the Frankfurt School and the father of the new left, Herbert Marcuse, who I talk about on this show and who I talk about at great length in my upcoming book, Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order. That one, wow, I'm even, I'm even fooling myself on some of these ad transitions now. Clooney falls under the sway of this radical Marxist, Herbert Marcuse, and he shows up in the office of Eddie Mannix, who's the big studio head in Hollywood. And he says, oh man, you don't understand. We're just all in this awful, terrible system. And it's the fat cats exploiting us and everything's terrible for us. And we got to throw off our shackles. And the studio chief pulls him up, smacks him in the face. And he says, don't you ever say that again. This studio has been good to you. That fat cat in New York, he's been good to you. He's the founder of your feasts and he's enabled you to do great things. And I don't want to ever hear you say that again. And, and the George Clooney character, he, he looks shocked and he says, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he walk, starts to walk out of the office dejected. And Eddie Mannix, the, the boss in the room turns to him and he says, Hey, go be a star. And that's why I, th- I think, come on, just cut it out with the ridiculous being critical of everything, tearing down the statues, ripping down George Washington, go out there and be a star. Can we do that? Or are we a dying population? That's up to us. It's up to us. Are we going to lean into society? It's why I'm so personally offended by the Gates divorce. (laughs) It's not because I particularly care about Bill and Melinda Gates, but it's because when you get divorced, that's not just a private matter. It's a public matter because marriage is a public institution. It's why you do it in public. It's why you register it with the government. That's why it's always, it's the fundamental political institution. And when you pull out of that, it's not just about you, man. It's not just about you moving on to the next phase of your life and growing individually. And <clears throat> It's about society. It's about providing a stable home for your children. And it's about providing a stable basis for your community and for your state and for your country. I get it. It's a fallen world. These things are going to happen, but we should discourage it. We shouldn't celebrate it, which is what we're doing now. That's insane. That's going to lead to much bigger political problems like the dying population and the consequent desire for immigration to keep the economy afloat and the falling apart of our ability for self-government and are outsourcing it to the virtuous, self-styled, benevolent betters in Washington, D.C. We've got a frail president in a frail country, but it doesn't have to be that way. Joe Rogan came out. Joe Rogan, one of the, seriously, one of the thought leaders in our country. I'm not saying that ironically. He, he is. I don't know if it, what it says about our country, but he is. He pointed out the other day, he said, you know, I wanted to send a, a video around that I saw uh, of uh, questioning the narrative on the coronavirus and the lockdowns and the treatment, but I couldn't send it even through a private message. 
You know, I tried to send a friend of mine a video the other day on Twitter through a direct message, and it was blocked. Really? I couldn't send a wow. direct message. It's, it was, I was asking him if this was accurate, and it was a doctor who's talking about ivermectin. And ivermectin, which is a, um, it's a treatment for COVID, and this doctor was saying that ivermectin is 99% effective in treating COVID, but that you don't hear about it. Because you can't fund vaccines when there's an effective treatment. Hmm. And this is, I don't know if this guy's right or wrong. So I'm asking questions. So I go, hey, tell me about this. So I send it. It Message not sent. I try to send it again. Message not sent. I'm like, oh my God, what's your email? I had to yeah. send it through email. Got to send it through email. Now, I don't know anything about ivermectin. I don't even really care that much. That's not, that's not what interests me in this clip. What interests me in this clip is Joe Rogan, a famous, powerful, rich guy. Couldn't send a private message. Just asking a, a scientific question. Couldn't engage in science. Couldn't try to follow the science. Because the, the country, the culture is being run by a cartel. <laughs> it's being run by these mobsters. This little corporate oligarchy in Silicon Valley that's working with the establishment all over the place. That is very different than our constitutional system purports to be on paper. Are we going to assert our political right? And begin to exercise self-government again? Or are we just going to say, ah, oh, man, whatever. Move into the frail old age of our republic and say, whatever, man, it is what it is. The choice is ours. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Bory. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, after Facebook's oversight board backs the company's ban on Donald Trump, Democrats call for more. The Biden administration keeps playing politics with COVID and Kamala Harris makes out with her husband through a mask. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Mm-hmm. 